looking for a job as a developer, it's common to see computer science degree required. But is it? Really? Many people I know don't have a CS degree, including myself. There's people who drop out of school who go on to found some of the biggest companies in the world, like Facebook and Microsoft itself. How important is education as a developer? That's what we talk about this week on This Developer's Life. This Developer's Life is brought to you by Codebrush for Visual Studio. We appreciate their support. With Consume First Declaration, powerful templates, smart selection tools, intelligent code analysis, innovative navigation, and an unrivaled collection of visual refactorings all working together, your development productivity will increase dramatically. Get Codebrush. You'll be glad you did. Check them out at devexpress.com slash Codebrush. This episode was recorded live on July 5th in front of a Google Plus audience. So I'm sitting there the other day and I just downloaded uh, Apple's developer tools, the um, Xcode, Xcode 4.1, because I'm trying to learn Cocoa, right? I'm trying to learn Objective-C and um, I'm reading all the primers on Objective-C and I see that Objective-C is based on C. You see that? It took a book to figure that out? Well, I mean, I guess you know it, but you know, I think it hits you really hard between the eyes when you're looking at the sample code, right? And and I'm looking at this and I'm trying to recall the C language, which was years ago. And I'm thinking to myself, why did I get a degree in computer science? This would become so much easier to me. But then I started thinking, who am I kidding? I don't know. I mean, would that really, do you think, in your opinion, would that really have helped me to grasp Objective-C easier? I mean, just from what I learned in college? Yeah, absolutely. The older I get, the more I realize that the basic how to think about X type skills that I got in seventh grade and, you know, learning cursive in kindergarten, all that stuff helped. I'm not saying it's required. I'm not saying that you need it, but I'm saying that it helps. For for people who think like school thinks, school helps. So is it the is it the act of learning that you think school enhances or is it the subject matter itself. In other words, I went to school for geology, of all things. And I, you know, I basically, I guess you'd call it minored in computer science. I learned Pascal, Cobol, all those things. But that didn't, I don't think any of that helped me later in life when I sat down to learn computer science. Or maybe it did. So what was your degree in? You had a degree in computer science, right? I have a degree in software engineering. And software engineering is the applied, it's like applied computer science. Mm. It's the actual act of doing the work as opposed to the theory behind it. I see. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, computer science is theoretical, and people think about computers and how computers work and Turing machines and stuff like that. And uh, I think, the, like, the first class I took in software engineering class was, you know, compiling Minix. So it was like, just let's get right into doing something that is significant and is uh, substantive and is engineering. Awesome. I have a degree in geology. It's all about banging rocks. Well, bringing it back to uh, this week... Interesting thing for me is just hearing the range of opinions and viewpoints on education uh, from our storytellers this week. First one is fascinating. Her name's Akila Grant, and um, she worked her way through college. She had amazing support from her parents, and she basically stressed herself out trying to get a job. Listen to what it took, even with a CS degree, listen to what it took for her to get her job. It took me about four years. Um... It was it was in my life. Uh, I got an Oracle certification after that, and then I just started applying to different IT companies. And what do you know? CNNMoney.com called me. Out of all the places that you can work for when you first start out in your tech career, a company like CNNMoney.com, it it was 
It was the most awesome experience. And I just thought about all the nights I sat on the floor crying and, and saying that I, I hope for the best, I wish for the best. And just hearing my mother and my father tell me that it was going to come, it was going to come. And then after a while, you, you get when it doesn't come, you get lost, you get a little sad, but it's like you got to keep trying. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be any parents listening to this podcast, but I have the most awesome parents. It's like they maybe they weren't um, technology professionals, but they were professionals. My parents were always hardworking parents. I used to get at uh, seven years old, I used to get up at 4.30 in the morning to go to work with my dad. And one thing that my father always told me is no matter what you do in life, you will always be strong enough to do it. He said, you, you don't have to worry about if you'll ever be able to do it. If you really want it, can make it happen but they even say like I can call them up if I need anything they're there so it's like for yourself but you but we need that support so if there are moms and dads listening please support your children it's they will never forget it well as a parent of two young children I can tell you I spend a lot of time reinforcing their self-esteem yes you can do this this is a problem you can solve because I know that the passion for learning well, any industry. It starts at a really young age. I can remember my third grade teacher, Mr. Bronstein, and I can also refer back to, I went to a vocational high school in New Jersey called Bloomfield Tech, and I can remember learning about binary code in the ninth grade. We learned Pascal. That was what was in at that time, but binary Pascal. Um, we had a Lotus Notes teacher, so I learned Lotus in the ninth grade. My associate's is in computer science, and my bachelor's is in information science. And my computer science degree was just basically COBOL, um, HTML, um, SQL, or anything. You can name it. So that's kind of when I got the feel for it, and I had some awesome professors. Uh, it was It's just actually the interest in learning about technology and the intensity of being able to code. It's like, it's a whole nother world and you can create things, whether you want to go into web development, whether you want to go into testing, technology is it. The first thing that I built, oh, I'm so excited about this. Um, My project, my senior project, um, I built out a, a program that parsed data in a, it was an access database but I programmed it in C programming languages for the state of Rhode Island. So that was my senior project, which I, I actually got a, a, a B plus on. But, you know, I had some tough professors, so that's okay. <laughs> the assignment was just they, the data would be entered in the database and it's, it was cut. And the code wouldn't really conform with what's in the database. So the programming, the C programming was basically just to cover all the aspects of the coding, make sure that the information was aligned when it when you saw the output, basically. So it was a pretty, it sounds like a pretty simple program, but the coding was really intense. Uh, the joys of school and school projects. There's nothing like the feeling of learning. And then you get the cold splash of water in the real world. During your first set of interviews, that's when you realize maybe this degree didn't mean a thing. I actually had one situation where um, I was on an interview, and it was before I actually got into hardcore technology. And most of the people that interviewed me, they loved me. They enjoyed my energy and my spirit. But there was one guy who was known as the tough guy. He looked at my resume, and he told he looked me in the face, and he said to me that it's nice that you have an Oracle certification. It's nice that you have an associate's in computer science, a bachelor's in information science, but you've never done this work. So I'm talking to you, I can see why people like you, but I can't, I, I'm going to say that I'm not really sure that you'll be the best fit for this position. And it just, it shot me down. But because I've, I've already, at that point, I had already been through the ringer. I mean, even though I had these things, I knew that I earned them. I knew that I deserved them. That's why I was sitting there interviewing for that position. So even though I was angry, I was enraged at what he said to me, the only thing I could really say is that, you know, I'm a hard worker. You know, I I mean, when I get in, I do what I have to do. And I said that I appreciate your feedback. I said, but but I am still very much interested in this position. And he just looked at me and he said, okay. How, how, was, how did that end up? 
I actually landed the position. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> it was a couple of jobs ago. I mean, and I'm actually really great friends with the guy right now. Um, but some, that's going to happen. And I've even had a situation where I was actually trying to get into IT. Um, this was in the very beginning when I first graduated from college. Someone actually told me that I should change my name because nobody would want to hire someone named Aquila. And that was that was pretty hurtful, but it's like what I have to tell people when they when you when people try to discourage you from different things, it's never lose yourself. I mean, and we can take criticism, we can take advice, but know what advice works for you, know what advice doesn't work for you. The advice that I was given as far as getting the Oracle certification, even after I got my bachelor's and associates, that was good criticism. But listening to someone tell me to change my name on a resume, that wasn't good criticism. So it's like, it's just knowing what advice works for you, except criticism, because where will we be without critics? So men don't want men, some men may not want us in this world, but we can live and we can coexist in this world with them. Well, speaking of men, full disclosure, I happen to be one. It's not easy for women in the tech industry. It's a male-dominated industry, and it's something they have to contend with. And of course, being men, it's sort of difficult for us to see. So Sarah asked Aquila, what have you had to deal with as far as dealing with men? I had a few female friends in my, well, I had female friends in general, but I had a few in technology, most of which dropped out after not even the second year was completed. They just thought that technology was really tough. And then most women were intimidated. They, I heard a lot of students say that they didn't think that technology was a place for women. But I, I just didn't think like that. It was what I wanted and it was what I needed. I've been through a lot with people saying such things to me, trying to move up into positions. I think it's, I think it's definitely the place for women. I like to paint pink. I wear pink to work every day. I want to paint the world pink. It's, it's like, I think that we should really bombard this male-dominated technology. That, I mean, it's, it's set up in such a way where they where you feel like you don't belong but once you get in you really do belong it's just the fact that you just have to really work hard. you have to want it and you have to appreciate it there are times where you have you do have to realize that it's a time to speak up and there's a time to kind of humble yourself but when you humble yourself you can't you have to be sure not to lose yourself because that happens that's the one thing that i want to come out of this podcast do not be afraid of people. Do not be afraid of yourself. A lot of people in my career, though most of them didn't appreciate me at first, they respect me. I get a lot of respect. Um, if something happens, if I need something, there's so many people that I can call. Some of the guys joke about the fact that I do MMA. You know, they when they see when they see me coming with my bag, they say, oh, "I'm not going to mess with you today." So it's like it's it's a it's the thing about you know, even though you're in a male-dominated um, trade. You can also make them love the person who you are. And I'm, and I'm hoping that what I'm doing now, that it's going to be historic and maybe more women will be appreciated in technology because it's like we have the women in technology now, we have to be representatives. We can't sit around and complain about what's not happening because I did that. I lived that life. It, it made me angry and it made me bitter until I realized that it's sometimes you just have to stand up. Stand up indeed. Many thanks to Aquila Grant for her story today. You can catch her on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash A-Q-U-E-E-L-A-H-G-R-A-N-T. She works at Trimmer Media as a QA specialist. Many thanks to Sarah Chips for bringing us this story today.
People who enjoy education, who wallow in it, who can swim in the education of it all, who get excited about like waking up in the morning and learning something new, are going to succeed more at school. I mean, I recognize that when when you make uh, big bold statements or big definitive statements about school, like school is important. There's always someone out there who is a billionaire who didn't go to school and is doing just fine. I totally get that. But the idea is that the the knowledge of the collective will save you time. I think that's what it comes down to. Yesterday, uh, we were at uh, the fireworks, and uh, the five-year-old had this little transformer that he got at Burger King that was covered in phosphorus, so it would glow in the dark. And he was really disappointed that it wouldn't glow. And he was crying and crying because we're all in the dark, and the little transformer's not glowing. And, and, and mommy's like, I don't know how to turn it on, you know? And I, so I said, I had a flashlight. I had my mag light. So then I pointed the mag light at full blast on the phosphorus and held it there for five minutes, and then it made the transformer's phosphorus glow. So then the rest of the next half an hour while we wait for the fireworks to come up are a lesson on to the three-year-old and the five-year-old about how, how phosphorus works and how luminescent ma materials absorb light, and then you know, how long do you have to hold the flashlight there to make it glow and all that kind of stuff. And then the fireworks started. And one of the things that the five-year-old noticed is that you see the fireworks explode, and then a few seconds later, you hear the fireworks explode. What's going on there? So then the whole rest of the discussion on the way home becomes the speed of light versus the speed of sound. Well, I've definitely seen that with my children. And yeah, there is a joy of discovery, joy of learning. There's also a joy of creation. The reason I bring this up is Miguel de Icaza said something to me at Mix uh, once a couple years back. He said, I don't consider myself a developer. I consider myself a code artist. And what he was talking about at the time was the act of creation, how it's intoxicating, and how just the act of creating something will drive you to create even more. And I think for a lot of developers, myself included, that act of creation, sometimes you just don't care how things are done. You more or less just care that you can do them. And listening back to what Aquila had to say, I mean, yeah, she enjoyed learning. But she also enjoyed being able to do these things. Intensity of being able to code, it's like, it's a whole nother world. And you can create things, whether you want to go into web development, whether you want to go into testing, technology is it. You know, a lot of educators will argue about this, that when someone learns something, I mean, of course, it depends on the person, but when they learn how something works, a little bit of magic is removed. And correspondingly, that feeling that you get when you are able to be the magician, the one who's creating, sort of goes away. See, and that's, that's the difference. I don't know what's better, but it's not beautiful to me until I know how it works. Interesting. Well, I, I would say the same for me as well. Uh, but I think guys like you and me, we, we like to know how things work so we can turn around and teach it to, to somebody else uh, as opposed to actually use the thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, for me, it's less about the thing I'm teaching and more about the, the, the journey while teaching. I think I could easily teach physics or math and oh, I'm not very good at math. If I knew math, I could easily teach math. <laughs> I'm just saying it's the passing on of the information more than it is the information itself. But just like I gave the, the example with the fireworks, how can you not want to know why you hear the fireworks last and you see them blow up first? How can you not want to know that? I don't know, man. I think that for some people, the exploding lights and the loud boom is probably good enough, but let's bring it back to this week. Uh, the next person we're going to talk to is Seth Juarez. Uh, I got to talking to him at a conference recently about his career, what he's doing now, and about what he learned in school. It was quite an, an amazing story. Right. Here's a guy who uh, went and got a bachelor's degree, and then a master's degree, and then almost got a PhD, but still doesn't think that school is the end-all be-all. For some reason, I assume that when someone got a, a, a PhD in something, that uh, they would insist that they, you call them doctor and that uh, <laughs> they put doctor at the yeah. end of their email signature and things like that. But he has such a realistic perspective. He continued in school because he wanted to learn more. What better reason to stay in school than I wasn't done yet?
where did you go to school? I went to school, actually, uh, for my bachelor's degree, I went to UNLV, University of Neverly Vegas. That is what it's affectionately called by those that live in Nevada. And it was, it was all right. It was pretty good. And then I went and got a master's degree at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. And then I studied in a PhD program for about two years after that. Why didn't you finish? Well, the, the problem was my advisor, uh, I was studying machine learning. My advisor decided to go to the University of Maryland. He invited me to go, but it just was not something I could do at the time. And so I kind of was left orphaned and I had to decide what to do. And it was maybe just wait it out. You're in high school and you're doing well and you say, I'm going to go to college. That's right. And you fill out applications and... Actually, it was a, it was a little bit different than that. I... I was I was walking down the hall in high school. Now there's a there's a high school. I, I kind of went to two different high schools. One was in New York. One called a Staten Island Technical High School. Then my dad got a job in Henderson, Nevada, and the name of the high school was called Basic High School. And so I was walking down the halls in Basic High School with a friend. His name was John, and I just realized that high school was just a complete waste of time. I mean, remember your last year of high school? You were like doing three classes of pottery and work release. So as a junior, I thought, oh, this is this is ridiculous. And so I decided to get out of high school. And so what I did is I went to my, I went to my, you know, the person that helps you out. What's her name? Uh, the counselor. That's right. And I said, hey, I want to get out of high school. And she said, well, all you got to do is, is you got to have English and government. And so I go to take these tests. And obviously these tests are for people that are like rejects, for people that can't pass high school. And I get there and... I remember sitting with a bunch of people that were just like, hey, if I don't pass this test, I'm kind of screwed. And I was just taking them to get out of high school. And they were seriously easy tests. I read like in it, two entire textbooks and it was far too much work. So then I decided to take the test and got out of high school when I was 16, almost 17. And then I started college that summer. Was, the, was this basic high school, like, was was everyone smart or blessed or however you want to phrase it? Or were you just... No. Honestly, if you think about it, everyone's senior year was literally, let's party and take pottery or basket weaving or something or work release. So I just did not want to do that. I, I, I don't know. As developers, we're not super social. I was kind of a social guy, but I just decided, why don't I just go right to college and skip the wastefulness and was it always in your mind that college was the next step there was never a like i'll go and i'll i don't need to go to college or was were you did you grow up in a house where it was always understood that you would go to college yeah i mean it was kind of understood but i think the most important thing was that i decided i am going to go to college when i got my first job and, and i the guy's name was daryl and daryl his job was to help clean and this is not like a cliche you know i'm hispanic and so i need to do yard work but literally it was yard work and what we would do is we would go to this large field in the desert and pick weeds and we would pick weeds for like eight hours and i decided this is not the kind of work i'm ever going to want to do ever i might as well go to college and so that's when i decided i need to go to college and that's that's what it was <laughs> yeah i'm not going to pick weeds the rest of my life and after you you did computer science that's right. That's right. You glossed over when you said you were in a master's degree program. You said machine learning really fast. Yeah. So I'm really interested in cognition and how you how people think. Uh, and the idea is hopefully computers can pseudo think, right? I don't, I don't think computers will ever have this sort of this weird nature that humans have where we can make decisions without any in, without any knowledge. We can totally make decisions. Computers have a hard time doing that. And so I remember sitting for the first time when I started my master's program with, with uh, one of the advisors, and I said, hey, I'm really interested in knowledge. And he said, well, you should look at machine learning. Specifically, he was telling me to look at NLP, which is natural language processing, and how humans sort of think and how to get computers to also think. It's just an, a tremendously interesting thing. I, I, I really liked looking at it, actually. When... This is remember that I went to a community college and I am a little and then I went to a state school so I'm a little bit um, from an education perspective I personally have a a bit of an inferiority complex 
Oh, you shouldn't at all, actually. No, but, but I'm just saying that I, I, when I came out of high school, I didn't have any money and we didn't have the ability to pay for me to go anywhere. And when I went to my advisor, they said, oh, you have a 3.4. And, you know, that's like you've been hanging out for four years. And yeah. and then they said, well, but your your SATs are like 1480. So, you know, you snored your way through the SATs and got a great score, but you but you got a 3.4 and then she was very disappointed and she looked at me with this like okay you've literally had 4 years to get a decent grade point average and you didn't but you obviously have some ability because you have an an SAT score that's that's very good you know, I think it was at the, at the time the the max was 1600 so it was pretty good SAT score and she's like I think you're screwed and I was like wow that's really really supportive that's the kind of positivity that a high school student needs to take it to the next level. Uh, so then I went over to the East Coast because I had a girlfriend who was going to Bowdoin and I visited all the different schools in that area and I went around Boston, Boston College, Boston University and I, went, I visited MIT and I was like so overwhelmed. I was so inferior. I was just like I have no, I had not been prepping. I did not know how to study. I, yeah. I had been, I, had been I, I literally coasted through um, high school on charm and raw MIPS. Interesting. And, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And had I put, so I'm, I'm only now pushing 40, starting to learn how to focus and study. I'm sure I would have been on Ritalin, but thank goodness my parents didn't think that was a good idea. Yeah, you know me I mean? either. And I, I, I lettered in drama. <laughs> you know, I, I did too, actually. And I didn't letter in drama, but I took drama. I love that stuff. The idea of going to an amazing school, like an MIT, is is I, I just can't deal with that. But then the idea of going and getting a master's degree is amazing to me. Was that just the next obvious step? You're like, yeah, I'm going to get a master's. Well, no, I wanted to get a PhD just because I wanted to know a lot about a specific thing. Now, let me let's backtrack a little bit. I don't I don't profess to be like this super genius smart guy at all. I don't I don't think I'm smart at all. In fact, when you when you go to school or when you when you meet other people that are in our field, for example, you get this sense that holy cow, there there are some really really smart people, and school doesn't necessarily make you smarter. I don't think it does at all. I think school helps you focus on one thing, and it allows you to sort of to sort of bear through the process of actually becoming an expert in one specific field. So, for example, if you have someone with a PhD. They might be really, really, really knowledgeable in one specific thing, but in other things, they might not be very smart at all. And so uh, there, there, there never needs to be an inferiority complex. In fact, all school is, is like a, this focus group to help you study better. That, that's all it is. It's not, if you, can, if you can find a group of your peers at a code camp or at a user group or whatever, that's as much an education as anything else. It's not, it's not that, hey, I've doled out thousands of dollars and gone to MIT and now I'm, I'm smarter. I don't, I don't think that's, that's it at all. Actually. I don't, I don't feel any smarter at all. I just know a little bit more about one specific topic actually. I've seen on Twitter, many people sort of have this argument of, yeah, I don't need to go to school, to college to learn how to program and others saying, yeah, you, you do. I, I think it's kind of a hybrid of both. I actually started with community college. I went to UNLV, but supplemented my education with stuff in community college. And I found people at the community college to have more knowledge and experience in real life stuff than the folks did over at the university. And so you kind of have to temper your education with, you know, real smarts, which is, how do you use the stuff that you've actually learned? When you're at the master's degree level, do you feel like you're six years away from high school or is it just taller high school? Uh, no. In fact, I, I felt like a complete idiot. And, and when I started the PhD program, because I actually went to PhD and they just sort of gave me a master's along the way, which was kind of interesting. So I hear, fill this paper out. We'll give you a master's. Oh, Okay. Because I, I had already been there for a couple of years and I had two more years after my master's that I went there. But I just remember getting there and feeling completely inept. 
I would go to seminars because after a while, there's no more classes to take. It's more of like, a, hey, we're going to talk about this topic. Everyone's going to show up and we're going to read these, these papers. And I felt completely inept in the sense that I, I had no idea what was going on, it seemed like. And as I went, obviously, I, I got a better idea, but I still felt like I did not know anything. And so really, the, the master's slash PhD program is not like high school. It's not like your bachelor's degree where, you, where literally they've placed a series of hoops that you need to jump through. And the higher you get through the hoop, the better it seems like to everyone else. In a master's slash PhD program, it's really all about the knowledge that you want to understand. It really changed the way I thought about programming, in fact, the functional concepts. And so when you get to, to, to that level, I think that's the level that it always should have been at. You know, What are you interested in? Study it and find out as much as you can about it. And the peers around you would, would help supplement sort of that, that information that you're trying to learn. It, I really felt like an idiot, actually. I still do. I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm the world expert in anything. I know, I know a couple of things about a couple of things. But I think schooling at that level really helped me sort of cement this knowledge in my head that, yeah, you're really not all that, Seth. And that's an important thing to realize for everyone. But when you got to the point where you said, I'm going to go get a PhD, we, when, when, what's the thinking process there? Is it the, I don't want to go to work, uh, so I will stay here in school longer? Or is it still more of the, I still want to know more about this particular subject, so I will keep going forward? Because I find a PhD to be very... Um, Time-consuming? <laughs> imposing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I actually had a job during, during my time as a PhD student, it wasn't about, it really wasn't about, Hey, you know, look at me. I, I've got a doctor. It was more of about, I want to know everything there is to know about this one thing. And it seemed like the, like the doctoral program was the, the vehicle that could sort of impel us towards that, that end goal. I really wanted to know everything there is, was to know about machine learning because it's a passion of mine. Obviously I'm never going to be able to know everything about machine learning, but maybe I can know or expand knowledge in one particular pinpoint issue with machine learning. And, th and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to contribute uh, somehow. And that's what I still try to do. Obviously, I'm not, I I'm not in a PhD program right now because my advisor left and I moved to a different state. But I think I, think I still try to do that. What do you do now that you have two years of a PhD? Is that a failure? Some people tell me, hey, Seth, why, like my wife, she's like, Seth, you need to go back to school and, and finish your, your PhD. And, and I, I, I think about this every once in a while. I'd like, to, I'd like to go back. Obviously, I live in the state of California now, and there's some really great schools just around here like USC, UCLA, Caltech. But I don't know if I'm smart enough to go to those schools, first of all. And second of all, what does a PhD really do for you? I mean, other than the fact that my wife gets to say, hey, yeah, my husband has a doctorate. You know, I think that'd be kind of cool. But let me, let me sort of tell you one story that happened. I was, um, it was my turn to present a paper on something. It was, uh, I think it was on the, some advanced topic of probability distributions and how to, you know, upper and lower limits of some algorithm. And I remember sitting there, uh, actually standing up, presenting this topic. And the advisor, he says, he says, he asked me a question. He's like, Seth, well, what do you mean by this? How, do, how does this work? And I remember standing there thinking, I have no idea how to answer this question in front of a group of peers. Those in computer science, those of you in, in programming know about graph theory. Graphs for computer people are like these little nodes and edges that connect to each other. And what we were trying to do is we were trying to find a new upper bound for something. And it turns out that if you take, if you take a graph, convert it into a matrix called a Laplacian, and then take a spectral analysis. And this is, this is going to sound really weird. You take the spectral analysis of a Laplacian, which is a matrix of a graph. It turns out that the second eigenvalue tells you how connected a graph is. And that sort of blew me away. And I remember talking about it, not believing it. And I remember showing that it worked. And I was so proud of myself because I showed how this thing works. And then the professor says, Seth, what about this? And I don't remember that particular topic. You didn't explain this. You didn't explain this. You don't know why this works. You haven't proved anything. And I just, I remember standing there feeling like a complete idiot, thinking, gosh, I, I really thought I nailed this presentation. And he, in fact, said, 
Seth, next week you're going to have to finish this because uh, you really didn't explain anything. And I remember going to his office afterward and explaining this proof to, to part of this uh, particular theory. And I was just like, wow, I, I'm not very smart. I have like eight years of school, eight years of college. And I, I still feel like a complete moron. It, it turns out that, that the more that I've learned about computer science, just this one topic, the more I realized how much I don't know. And it's kind of a humbling experience. If anything, if you think you know everything, I mean, you, you, should, you should really either go to school or sit with a group of your peers and sort of glean knowledge off of them. Because I, I don't think education is necessarily a go-to-school kind of thing. I think we need to go to school every day. But it was in that environment that I realized how much I don't know and how much I really want to know. I, I remember standing there thinking, I want to know this. I want to be able to answer this question, but I simply cannot. And I, it took me another week just to sit down and figure out what the heck the guy was talking about and, and really get back and, and say, here, here, I know this now. Here's how it works. It, it was a humbling experience. It's something everybody should go through, really. And, and there are people that will go through it in a work environment. There are people that will go through it in a social environment, but I think you need to go through the, you know what? You're not as smart as you think. You need to dedicate more time. And that was the impetus for me to really sit down and look at things. And I, I've looked at papers uh, to try to understand them for long periods of time. And it's stressful because you know you have to talk about it, and you know you don't want to look like a fool in front of your peers. If you have the spirit of, I want to know what this is, I think that's, that's the key motivation for any kind of educational pursuit, whether it, whether it be at school or whether it be, you know, at your home or whether it be your Amazon account, Amazon Prime account, where you get books every day and you, you salivate every time the UPS guy comes because you know there's a book. And I think of all professions developers are the ones that have that. I want to know what this is and I want to know how to do it. And that's, that's real education. It's not necessarily earned at MIT or at some fancy university. It's earned by your desire to know how is this done? How does this work? I want to do it too. And I think that's, that's the coolest part of education. So, so those that argue about, Hey, you don't need to go to school or whatever. I, I think, I think it depends on the person. Some people need that that sort of environment where there's like this focus group kind of feel where everyone is doing the same thing and so you are too. Or you can do it on your own, you know, with your love affair of the UPS guy and the books that he brings with your Amazon Prime account. If you have two developers that each have 10 or 20 years experience, except one has a PhD and one never graduated high school, where do they come together and where do they where are they never going to see eye to eye on because one has eight years of school the other one doesn't have uh that's an interesting question um it depends on it depends on how the guy studied it's all dependent on people there's certain things that i would have never learned without school at the same time i don't know if those things are really useful Uh, for example those of, that have taken computer science undergrad degree and taken complexity theory, uh, that's probably one of the toughest topics in computer science. What it does, it gives you a sense of how doable is this particular algorithm that I'm being asked to do. Uh, so someone that's never thought about that might get a problem and might say, yeah, I can do this. Whereas the PhD guy is going to be like, yeah, you're going to be able to get close, but you can't. And so it's all a question of, you know, you kind of have this sense about what's what's going on in your field in a different way. And I'm not saying the guy that didn't barely graduate high school is not going to be able to write a program. But what I'm saying is that it's better to know more. It's better to, to have a good, solid understanding of your field. And, and that's an important thing, I, I think. And whether you get it from the Amazon uh, UPS guy or whether you get it from school, I, I don't think it matters. But if, if both of them have the spirit of, I want to know how this is done, I think the perspective of both would enhance the team if they know how to work with each other. Because I know some, some PhD students that were kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm really smart. 
they don't get it yet. They don't get it. It's not, it's not how smart you think you are. It's how driven you are to know more. And, and that's the important thing. And anyone can have that. One of the things that, uh, one of the pithy sayings that a manager of mine loves to say, and I say it all the time, is that if you're going to put together a basketball team, you can't teach height. When are you supposed to learn height? <laughs> there are certain things that, that you need to know as a computer person, right? As a computer programmer. You need to have a solid understanding of the tools you're working with. For example, if you're writing code in Haskell, right, you need to know about the functional paradigm. You need to know that you, you can't do things with side effects unless you have a monad, right? And those things are important to understand, right? You, there's no way you're going to be able to do things correctly if you're trying to do object-oriented programming in Haskell. And so does that mean that you have to have a master's degree to do Haskell? No, it just means you need to know your tool. You need to know what you're doing. So, for example, if you, uh, height is not necessarily, uh, I don't even know how to correspond height to computer folks, but it, it's, it all depends on the tool you use. If you are a C-sharp programmer, then, I mean, there's certain skills that you need to know about. If you're a Ruby programmer, you need to know about a dynamic programming language and, and what that really means. You need to know about duck typing, right? You need to know why, why Ruby behaves differently than C-sharp. You need to know, for example, in Python, if you use Python, that you can really... You can do whatever you want. If you're a JavaScript dev using Node.js to do server programming, you know about an event-driven programming model. You need There are certain things you, you need to know. But I think in our particular field, there is no limitation to what you can do if you have the desire to understand it. Now, my personal opinion is everyone should know at least a couple of programming languages. They need to be able to interact with a couple of programming languages. And they need to be from the following categories, a strongly typed programming language, a dynamic language, and also a functional language. When you have, when you have languages from those three areas that you sort of can play around with and interact, I think you're, you're going to be like this really good programmer. And I personally would not have been able to understand the functional paradigm without a master's class. Others certainly can. I know, I know tons of smart people in the F-sharp community that have just magically figured this out because they had the desire to learn. I needed a professor and a group of peers to sit there and explain it to me. And maybe that says something about me. I think it does. But I don't think there's a height limitation. There are some devs out there that are of like the 9 to 5 programmers that just want to get the thing done. That, that is not going to necessarily make you the best programmer. And you can't teach desire just like you can't teach height. It's something that's innate and something that, that you create. And so I guess, I guess the height paradigm would be desire to know and understand. You can't teach that. It's something that either exists or it doesn't. You know how we are. I mean, we, we see this new shiny thing that comes out. And everyone goes bonkers over, hey, I want to know how to do that. That looks really, really cool. And you see these people on Twitter that literally their desire to know and understand has impelled them to do research, to, to do all sorts of things. And they're doing it on their spare time, right? And this, this is the motivation behind really good open source projects, right? They want to know and understand how to do this. And so they, they make it. For example, I, I'm, I'm doing a machine learning library in .NET, not because of some altruistic sort of desire to give back to society. Although maybe that might be a good side effect, but it's because I want to know machine learning better. And you know, as well as anybody else that we only understand things once we have to write code for it. And that's, that's the impetus for me, I think. See, that's interesting. That, I actually only understand things if I teach it. Yeah. I mean, I do too. Uh, but there are certain things that when you're talking about programming, I, I love teaching concepts, but when you sit down and you literally have to tell the computer, do this, uh, there's no fudge factor, right? It's uh, either told it right or you didn't. And so I like, I like to do both. I, obviously, one of my favorite passions was teaching. I, most people don't know this, but I taught, I taught at a high school level and a collegiate level for over eight years. Once you know something, you really don't know it until you actually share it. And you've written some code for it, at least in the programming world.
Thanks to Seth Juarez for sharing his story with us today. You can check him out on Twitter. It's at twitter.com forward slash Seth Juarez. So I get, I get that you can learn how to think. I mean, I understand that, you know, I understand the notion when you're like a computer, uh, a computer science person or developer, you need to break a problem down, dive in, see how it works, dissect it, throw a code at it, solve it. I understand that. But I also think there's a, there's a process that goes on in a different part of your brain that's uh, more or less a creative part or um, maybe even I'll call it a coping part. Because for me, and to take this back to me, my favorite place, school was basically a rite of passage. You know, I mean, I, I looked at a degree and I thought, I just need a degree. I don't know what's going to come after that. And so what came after that was an opportunity uh, for me. And, and my friend said, hey, you want to be a computer science guy? You know, you can come and write these web pages and get paid a lot of money. And, it, you know, it's funny because it reminds me of a story you told me about your dad becoming a fireman, you know, because you told me, uh, what did you tell me? You told me once that, because I said that must be so cool to have a dad who's so committed to public safety and, and helping. And and you said, no, I love my dad. He's awesome. But uh, he was bagging groceries, I think, at the local pick and save. And his buddy said, hey, uh, they're they're testing down at the local fire department. So uh, why don't you come down? And then uh, 35 years later, he retired from the fire department. I I visited schools on the East Coast and went to visited Boston University and MIT and realized that these were not places I was going to be able to function. I wasn't sophisticated enough to pull off an MIT degree. So I came home and I basically procrastinated. I didn't fill out. I went to a community college because, frankly, I did not fill out the applications. I had them to all sorts of top schools, but I didn't fill them out. I let them sit. And I went to community college because a friend of mine called me and said, hey, there's a new software engineering degree brand new degree, first year at Portland Community College. Let's go. I'll meet you there. And I showed up on the first day to meet my friend there. He never showed. Well, and ironically, you know what he does now? He's actually a SharePoint salesman at Microsoft. Oh, my God. <laughs> but amazing. I went to school by myself. Uh, and actually, I went to school with a guy named Stephen Frank, who now runs Panic, who um, oh, is, yeah. a, is a Mac guy. We sat, awesome. we, yeah, we sat next to each other in class. And once I did that, I was afraid. I'm like, I need to get it degree or I'm not going to be able to get a job. So after I got my two-year degree, I went and I did my four-year degree. And that that took 11 years, though. I only graduated with my four-year degree in 2003. All right. So let's wrap this up. One of the things that I really wanted to do with this episode was to answer the question, does a degree matter? If it matters to you, then absolutely. Right. Because in a lot of ways, it doesn't matter that much to other people. Like Aquila's first interview, the guy said, oh, you have a degree, you have some certifications, but unfortunately, you don't have any practical knowledge. I don't think you're going to fit here. Or in my case, really. I mean, I should be out pounding rocks. I've got a degree in geology. I don't really have any formal computer training, aside from uh, what amounts to a minor at my school. You, you're a software engineer. But the thing about it is we made it through school. You know, we made this rite of passage. We have this passion for learning. In a way, school is kind of like a gateway. I would, I think I like that. I think that a degree is a gateway drug for learning. If you don't have that passion already, whether you're homeschooled, 17-year-old, or whether you're an old evangelist at Dev Express who never finished his PhD, you can either, you get that passion for learning growing up, or you maybe you learn it at school. But the point is to get it, get it wherever you can, and try to keep it alive for as long as you are alive. I think a degree is important. I think uh, lust for learning is more important. Lifetime advice from Scott Hanselman. Stay in school. Don't do drugs. Listen to our podcast. This is my recital. I think it's very vital.
around. That's right. On top. And again, a big thank you to the folks at Code Rush for Visual Studio for helping support this developer's life. Code Rush has the fastest rename, the fastest find all references, fastest test runner. When it comes to creating, modifying, and refactoring code, nothing's faster than Code Rush. It's been on my ultimate power tools list since forever. Get Code Rush. I'll be glad you did. Check them out at devexpress.com/slash Code Rush. We appreciate their support. Check, 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 check